0: You're listening to the Metro LA podcast, an official podcast of the LA International Church of Christ. Okay, so so we uh chapter 19, we finished that was the actual cross and the death of Jesus and um you know, no matter no matter what you do, you just it's it I can't help always feeling like that we didn't give it enough time or enough attention or enough um, and and we could have, and I'm I am resisting the temptation to launch into a bunch of study and dialogue beyond the Gospel of John. But I'm going to stay stay true to the form of John. John devotes one half a chapter here, to to well a full chapter really, but but or three quarters of a chapter to the the death of Jesus. Um, clearly, there you know that we get a lot more from the synoptic Gospels, from the other Gospels. Um, about his death, the other sayings, the other details, uh, a lot more. Um, but there's some very significant things that happen um, with the resurrection, and 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 bring us to the end of the chapter and the end of of uh, the message of the Gospel of John. So again, reminding us that the, the whole book was written to help us believe and to know God, to know God by knowing Jesus better. Um, so we're going to go ahead and chapter, chapter 20, verse one. It starts on early on the first day of the week, uh, which is what day? Sunday, right? It's, it's Sunday. The Sabbath is Saturday. There has been some confusion over the years because some churches began to call Sunday the Sabbath, the Christian Sabbath. Um, But that's not accurate. That's not that, that the Sabbath was Saturday, Friday sunset to Saturday sunset. And I will say this as well, because just in case you've ever, you ever get this thrown at you. um I remember I was in a Bible talk and I had a young man of a different religion come to Bible talk and threw at me the, the, the question. And I was young. I was young, young man, young Christian Uh, Throughout me, the question if Jesus was crucified on Saturday, on Friday afternoon, and rose from the dead Sunday morning, that's only a day and a half later. And all the the signs, the sign was three days the sign of Jonah, the sign that he, and Jesus himself said on the third day he would rise. Um, So, how can that be? That's an error in the scriptures he only was you know you go from friday to saturday and then sun and then not even the full day sunday but in the the dawn on sunday that's a day and a half so how could that be you know was that is that an error in the scriptures an error in the prophecies, is just the prophecy that didn't get fulfilled now i'm sure some of you probably already know the answer to that question some of you are wondering hey how does that work um it is one of the things thrown at christians just so you know uh there are, uh, I met a young woman who, and, and, I went to a, uh, a Muslim temple. I went to a Muslim mosque and as part of a class, uh, uh, homework assignment and interviewed somebody. And it just so happens I interviewed a woman who was, uh, a Muslim missionary. In other words, she was out converting Christians to Islam. That was her job. That's what she did. And, um, and, and that was one of the questions she threw at me too, as well. They have a whole set of questions to throw out to try to confound or con, uh, confuse Christians into questioning and doubting the New Testament as we know it. Um, they have their own versions of all the stories and, and their own understanding. But so the answer, so what's the answer to the question? So the answer to the question is that they, that we have to remember they did not, they do not count days the way we do. A day is sunset to sunset. So the Sabbath starts on Friday afternoon, or Friday sunset, I should say, and ends Saturday sunset. That's one day. Okay, so Jesus was crucified uh, in the middle of the day on Friday, which means the day before the Sabbath was day one, Thursday sunset to Friday sunset. Day two is Friday sunset to Saturday sunset. Day three is Saturday sunset to Sunday sunset. Okay. That's the Jewish day. And in the way the Jewish concept of a day is any part of a day is that day. So if you are, if, if, if you died at 10 a.m. on Monday morning, you died Monday. They don't say, well, he died two hours into Monday or however, whatever time reckoning we would use. Uh, we don't say he died part of Monday. We just say he died on Monday, right? What's well, the same thing? It's the same thing. It's that 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 Jesus died on Sunday. I'm excuse me, rose from the dead on Sunday. He died on technically what was still Thursday because that's sunset to sunset. So it is three days, uh but it's but it's jewish days and and you'll find this a lot that 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 when there's a lot of times when people throw doubts at the Bible or or say Ah, the Bible's wrong here, or the Bible's wrong there it's usually a customary challenge it's usually uh, a difference in thinking, not an error in the scripture it's usually that that like sometimes for example, you'll see Jesus quote a scripture for example at his first sermon, when he quotes the prophet Isaiah, and it says he turned, he was given the scriptures and found the place of Isaiah. And he read where it said, and he reads something, but then the last part of it, he's not quoting Isaiah. He's quoting, uh, I can't believe it. I think it's Micah he's quoting. I don't, I don't remember, but he's quoting one of the other prophets and he just quotes it. It doesn't say that there. It doesn't say anybody else. It only says Isaiah. So people point and say, ah, see, there's an error. It says, it says right there in the gospel that he was quoting Isaiah, but he was actually quoting Zechariah or something. No, he, it's very customary in Jewish times that you would quote multiple, but you always attributed to the highest speaker or to the most prominent speaker. In this case, it would be Isaiah so Isaiah gets the credit for the entire quote even though the quote came from more than one source that was customary it was done all the time so it wasn't an error it wasn't an oops I forgot or I misquoted the Bible it was what was done back then so now that we're we've changed and who knows maybe someday we'll do that too but but it's not error and I'm just saying that because a lot of times there are errors or so called errors. And when you go dig in there, you find out it's not really an error. It's a cultural understanding or a worldview different today than it was back then or something like that. Anyways, so there I go again. I just said I'm doing what I said I wouldn't do as often different topics that are related. Um, so anyway, so we, so it says on, on the early on the first day of the, of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciples, the one Jesus loved, and, and they have, and said, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciples started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. Um, okay. There's a whole lot here that I love. Okay. First of all, it, it just tells us about Mary Magdalene. Okay. Um, in the other gospels, we find out that there were two other Marys there. Uh, also Mary, Mary, uh, Mary, the mother of Jesus and Mary, the wife of Clopas. Um, now, uh, this is another one of those examples where people will say, Oh, the Bible was wrong. Because in one gospel, it says it mentions Mary. Another gospel, it mentions Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of Jesus, and then yet another gospel. It's Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and Mary Magdalene. So, which was it? Who's lying? Again, they're they're not they're not mutually exclusive. Um, I can say that I spent the morning with Turnwall on Wednesday morning. Uh, I I got with Turnwall. We spent time together and we talked. That would be a true statement. It would also be true for me to say that I had a really good talk with my wife and then I had a really good talk with Turnwall on, on Wednesday morning. It would also be true to say I talked to so such, such brother and I talked to my wife and I talked to Turnwall or the three of us all connected on Wednesday morning. Those are all true, three, all, all true statements. They're not excluding each other. Because I told one person I talked to Turnwell doesn't mean I was lying because I didn't mention that I talked to my wife as well and would even be closer to if we were all three together. If I, if I were to say that, you know, last night at dinner, I had dinner with my wife and then I tell somebody else I had dinner with my niece, Karina, and then I tell somebody else that I was with my two dogs for dinner, <laughs> that those are all true statements they're not mutually exclusive they're all three true. We were all three together for dinner that's uh, there's no lie there it's just depends on what I emphasize. same thing with the angels same thing happens with the angels. was it one angel was it two angels was it one guy? was it two guys, or perhaps was it really just two male angels and and do angels come in gender i'm not i'm not sure I think so because they're they're spoken of as men, but maybe not maybe they're maybe they're Maybe they're not, maybe they have no gender, or maybe there are female angels and male angels. I don't know, but but you can't label it as a lie or an error in scripture, not when it's not even mutually exclusive. It's just talking about what you need to know. Always keep in mind in the background, what I've said many times, that we're always on a need to know basis. If we don't need to know, oftentimes we're not told. and And that's fine too. If we're humble and we understand who God is, we're not going to get put out by that. We're going to be fine with whatever God does tell us. So anyway, so Mary goes, Mary Magdalene. The other thing I love about this whole scene is that in this time, you know, women were very oppressed and and like they still are in many countries, But but uh, a woman's testimony was not allowed in court. There was no, you could not be a witness. You couldn't be a woman who was a witness to a crime or a witness to somebody being innocent. It just wasn't accepted because women were considered completely unreliable, and and so what does God do? He has the first three witnesses be women. You know, the first three witnesses are women. I love that. You know, that that's just classic God, classic Jesus. And then it says, so Peter, um, so they go run back. They tell Peter. Peter and the other disciples started. The other disciple, one other disciple. Started for the tomb. Who's the other guy? Well, we figure out it's John, right? And I love it because both, it says both are running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. Why do we need to know who got there first? <laughs> Does it really matter? This is, this is one of those little spots where, where it's just the, the disciples put a little of themselves in it, right? Where you get a little flavor of, of, Who's speaking and and the things he says according you know of course John calls himself the di- the disciple Jesus loved you know <laughs> he gave himself that title he tells us here that he outran Peter just in case you were wondering who got there first John did Um, so I love that I love that it's the humanity of the Gospels and it, and it, again it shows you how that they were that this is inspired by the Holy Spirit you say well wait you're telling us human mistakes are human. Human touches, yeah, but but if if it had if it had been only human, these things would have been erased, who did what who did what to who and who messed up and who who errors all that stuff would have been cleaned up. it would have been edited for perfection. the gospels are not edited. John has the errors of the apostles mark. I mean, somebody, uh, there was one commentator that called Mark is the record of the idiots. You know, it was, it just raw shows all the stupid things the apostles said and did. And, and, uh, it just, I love it because it shows, you know, if it had been written by them and only them, it would have all been cleaned up. So we find out here that John can run faster than Peter. Um, so then he says, "Both are running, but the other disciple outran Peter reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked at in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separated separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. Okay. So, so they go in. Okay. So John runs up to the mouth of the tomb and he's looking in. And I don't know, you know, why he didn't go in, but you know, I mean, maybe he was still, maybe he was doubting. Maybe he was scared. Maybe he didn't know what he was gonna see. Maybe he saw the angels and decided, wait, hold on, I better not go in in case God's hanging out in there. Um, I'm not sure. But Peter goes running straight in. Classic Peter. Their personalities are so consistent. That's part of what I love about this. Peter's the one that got out and tried to walk on water. Peter's the one that, you know, that speaks up and says, Lord, you'll never die, you know, and and Peter's just Peter. And so here goes Peter, classic Peter. He just runs right inside taking no, you know, concern of for what he's going to see, what's going on in there. Uh, I don't know if it was glowing. I mean, the the women saw the angels. So, I don't know if it was still glowing or what. And that's another point is that the angels aren't even mentioned and uh so uh, all these things happen and Peter goes running in and and I got to tell you this just just for the sake of uh and now I can't remember which one is which gospel it is, but one of the other gospels, I believe it might be Luke, tells us that, um, that they saw the linen neatly folded on the table. So my wife always quotes that scripture, to the campus guys make, if Jesus had time to make his bed on the day he rose from the dead, then you have time to make your bed when you get up and go in the morning. <laughs> so nice little scripture for the moms out there. But anyways, um, so they see the linen there, they see, they see everything, and they run back And, and the amazing thing is still they don't understand what Jesus had taught them. Um, now were these guys just stupid? No, they're human. They're people. And this is what happens to us people is we hear things and on one day we're convinced and then time goes by and we don't even remember or we no longer believe it, or we're questioning, or we don't know if it's true, or, you know, we we just, that's the way we are. I mean, we like to think that we hear things once, we learn it, and that's it, we're changed forever, and we're solid. But we're not, that we're not, we're, we're unfortunately, we're not that smart, we're not that on top of things, and, and you know, we, we have to hear things over and over and over to really learn, to really understand, and to really get it. Um, I've read in many resources that it's, that the average per, people will retain 10% of what you teach them, of what you tell them. Now, if you do it with pictures, that jumps to 50, 60%. That's why I often have slides when I do sermons and things, because I'm trying to help people retain more. Um, I don't have them so much on this because this is also a podcast and I try to paint the picture uh, a little clearer, but even that helps a lot. So, it's another clue of why Jesus used so many analogies because it does help us remember. It paints a picture which helps us to learn and helps us to remember and helps us to understand. But for whatever reason, these guys still didn't understand that Jesus was going to raise from the dead. And, and it really tells you a lot about where we're at as people and how hard it is to teach us and, and why we need to be, have our mindset on being good learners from Jesus. On being teachable, being trainable, being having an open mind and an open heart. You can't do that with just everything. You know, somebody once said, be careful how open your mind is because others will throw trash in it. You know, um, we we do have to be discerning, we have to be critical thinkers, um, and we have to to, to carefully analyze the things that we receive out there in the world, but not with Jesus. With Jesus Really, the more childlike we are, the better, the better, the more childlike we are and just accepting the things he taught us, where we can be critical thinkers and analyzers and testers is as we pound out our theology and we pound out our understanding of the deeper things of God. But in terms of just what does Jesus teach and how do I be a disciple? That's where we just, we just need to be like children. Just believe it. Just accept it. Just go with it because you know who it is, because you know who it is, not because you're dumb, not because you're, you have no brain, not because you can't think critically, but because it's Jesus and Jesus, we can totally trust and, and we don't need to question and doubt and analyze and test everything he says. Now, as we build our religion and build our theology, there, we do need to apply those rules. Why? To make sure we're in line with Jesus. To make sure it's the truth. To make sure it's accurate. You know, test everything. I used to have a button back in my, back in my radical days. I had a button that said question everything. And, and that was kind of my philosophy was question everything. It's what helped me come to a deep faith in God was that I questioned things. But anyways, moving right along. So, um, verse 11. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw, oh, that's, that's right. I forgot. It's later on. Um, and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, woman, woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said. I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there. But she did not realize that it was Jesus. I mean, this—I love this scene because, you know, here Mary, she's standing outside the tomb, tomb, she's crying, and she looks in and she sees the two angels in white, and sitting where Jesus' body had been, and they start talking to her, and she's just sharing her heart. I mean, she's brokenhearted, she's devastated, which I think we oftentimes. We we don't realize how hard that must have been. You know, they're, all their hope was in Jesus. All their hope, their future, their lives, everything. And then to watch him die. And, and again, you know, we get back to, well, well, he told them this would happen. Yeah, but they, for the most part, didn't get it. They didn't, somehow just didn't compute to them. And they, they, Jesus was their leader. He's the Messiah. He's going to usher in the kingdom of God and they're going to be with him. But wait, he died. He died on a cross. And so their world just came shattering down. I mean, it shattered and fell apart and they're, and they're so brokenhearted. And, and then it says, and I, (laughs) this is great. So he asked her woman, why are you crying? who is it you are looking for thinking he was the gardener okay first of all why is the gardener in the tomb you know the gardener thinking he was the gardener, she said, "Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him." Jesus said to her, mary she i, I you know okay she turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, or Rabboni, which means teacher. I mean, you know, what What an powerful moment this must have been. Mary's brokenhearted. And she, not only, well, her, her master's da- dead, her Lord is dead, her Savior's dead, he's gone. He's not just dead, but now he's gone. Now his body's not even there. And, she didn't know what happened to him. She didn't know where. I mean, it, this is just the bottom of the bottom of the pit. And emotionally, she's just distraught. And then she hears the voice, Mary. Wow, what a moment that must have been. She recognized the voice. It's the voice of Jesus. She recognizes his voice. I mean, what what an incredible moment that must have been to hear his voice, a voice she's known, a voice that she's heard call her name before. And she she turns toward him and says, Rabbani, or teacher. And Jesus said, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them. And he's sending her as the witness. Remember the witness that's not allowed in Jewish courts. I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Man, what a, what a moment. He appoints her and sends her out to be the first witness. The first to witness the resurrection. I mean, the church would be called witnesses later on. The witnesses, because they were the ones who saw Jesus. Or in the Greek word, the mar- the martyrs, the martyrios, those who saw what happened, who saw Jesus. Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. It's an interesting statement. There's a lot of debate over what does that exactly mean. You know, is it because he's like Jewish custom, you know, when somebody touches you, that's unclean. You become unclean. He was on his way to be with the Father Could he be touched by humans? Could he be touched by sinful people? You know, people with sin. Um, He says, go instead to my brothers. Tell them I am ascending to my father and your father to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news. I have seen the Lord. And she told told them that he had said these things to her. So she's the very first witness. To all this. And and again, you gotta remember, you know, Mary Magdalene had a terrible past. And she's from the little town of Migdal, which is just about a fifteen minute drive. I don't know how long it takes to walk, but from Capernaum. And I mean, what a place in history she has. The first witness, the first to give a testimony of the resurrection. So we read on. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together. With the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders. Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he had said this, he showed himself, his, he showed them his hands and his side, and the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. I mean, imagine, and I love that, you know, there's all these little details that are so rich. It says, on the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked, okay the doors are locked so Jesus can't just walk in for fear of the Jews Jewish leaders they'd lock the doors. Jesus came and stood among them I mean I love this they're all they're all talking and all of a sudden boom there's Jesus right in the middle of the crowd. he's right in the middle of them and said peace be with you you know um Wow just what a what a moment what a shocker to them. And after he said this, he showed them his hands and side. You know, he says this, and he shows them that it's he gives them positive proof that it's him. And I'm I'm guessing the hands had holes, the side had the wound, and um. He says, "Peace be with you." The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. I mean, it just goes from negative 100 to positive a thousand emotionally. When they see Jesus, because they just, they were distraught. It was over. It was done. The dream was shattered. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. And he, and he imparts to them a, uh, an amazing power, an amazing gift. One, the spirit, but also, now, now this is post resurrection or post crucifixion, really, Jesus. So now the price of sins has been paid. He paid it. So now he can give to them these special gifts. And, and, and you might, you know, I'm sure the question would rise. Well, why don't they just, why didn't they just go out and forgive everybody of their sins? And if they have the power to do this, that's an interesting question because when in Acts chapter two, the people asked, what do we do? They didn't just say your sins are forgiven. They said, repent and be baptized. Okay, you gotta remember that Jesus spent a lot of time with the disciples teaching and training them on what they were to do. So it may look like, well, they have the power to forgive sins. So why can't they just go out and forgive everybody's sins? There's a whole lot more to it than that. Now we, we come to a part that I think is really at the heart of John. John was written again. What for? To, to, to build our faith, to help us believe, right? To help us believe, to have faith in Jesus. So this scene is very important. In comes Thomas. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, One of the 12 uh, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. Of course, the the classic joke there is, don't miss church. You might miss Jesus, right? So he wasn't there and he missed Jesus. So he was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we've seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my fingers where the nails are and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. I mean, I love this because in one sense, Thomas kind of represents humanity. He represents mankind. Mankind are doubters. We are doubters, right? I always say, you see a scientist, wet paint, what do you do? You touch it to see if it's really wet. We are just by nature doubters. We question things. We wonder um, if it's true or not. And there's a part of that that's good, and there's a part of that that's not good. It's like what I was saying earlier, that critical thinking, doubting, questioning things is very good because there's so much garbage in the world and so many bad things that are trying to be passed off as truth, um, that we have to be able to sift it and we have to be able to vet it. However, when it comes to Jesus, there's where we should have humble, open, childlike hearts, right? And that's what the challenge was here. And, and Jesus tells him, in fact, he says it emphatically, stop doubting and believe. And that's for all of us is when it comes to Jesus, stop doubting and believe he has shown us plenty to go on faith is not blind faith is understanding the truth and building a belief based on the truth okay it's based on what is right and true and who jesus is, not on just fairy tales and and uh, i love this uh somebody asked one preacher one time you at 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 an early age you stopped believing in the tooth fairy and the easter bunny Why do you still believe in Jesus? And he said, well, if the tooth fairy had saved my soul and my marriage, then I probably would believe in the tooth fairy. But the tooth fairy didn't do that for me. Jesus did. So it's it's the truth of him that we base our faith on, not on just the great story, not on just the fact that it's a story. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. Okay, there's a huge statement right there. Usually just gets skipped over. If Jesus was not God, Thomas would be committing blasphemy right there. He would be committing blasphemy. Now, I've heard some people say, no, it's a, it's an exclamation. Like we all say, oh, my God. You know, we say it all the time. We say it all the time. No Jew in his right mind would ever say that. You never say that. That's blasphemy. Even if you're just exclaiming, even if you're just going, whoa, oh, my God, You'll never you won't hear that in Israel. I can tell you that right now. And if you have the habit of saying, "Oh my God," I strongly suggest you drop that habit before you ever visit Israel because it is a sin. You do not say God. You don't say it unless you are specifically referring to God. And the truth is in the Orthodox community, even if they are referring to God, they will not say God. They will say they will say Shema which is the word the name, they just call him the name. Or they'll say Adonai, which is Lord. And that's a, even in their prayers and everything. They don't say God. They, they say Adonai in the prayers, in the Hebrew prayers, which is what is Adonai? Adonai is Lord in Hebrew. Um, and even though the, the word God appears thousands of times in the Bible, literally, they won't do it. So, so they, so this little phrase is not a, Oh my God, it's not like that. It is a my Lord and my God. He was recognizing who Jesus is. The risen Jesus, the Jesus who rose from the grave, still with holes in his hands, still with the wound in his side. There is no other conclusion to draw than that he is the Lord and he is God. And and, and Thomas clarifies it, says it. States it emphatically. And then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. You know, and, and so Jesus kind of wraps up this whole thing with, um, not only encouraging Thomas, but, but basically saying, look, there's going to be many more who believe that it did not see. They were not witnesses of the resurrection. Now we are witnesses to our own resurrection, to our own death, burial, and resurrection in baptism. And that's where we are still witnesses. We are witnesses. I mean, those of us in the church for a long time, we have seen lots of miracles, miracles. We've seen crazy people get their minds right. We've seen hateful people become loving people. We've seen drug addicts be set, be set free. We've seen so many. We've seen racists become people who love everybody. We've seen horrible marriages become good marriages. We've seen all kinds of miracles happen. And that's what we are witnesses to. The power of Jesus. The impact of Jesus. Uh, so we're still witnesses, but not of the same, not of the resurrection. Would I like to be one of the witnesses of the actual resurrection? Oh yeah, you bet. (laughs) That would be awesome. I think most of us would, right? The part, and then it says, and then it gives us and closing out chapter 20, uh, where we started at the very beginning, what was the purpose of John's gospel? It says in verse 30, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book but these are written that you may believe or continue to believe or or be a believing person or faithful there's another way to say it that you may be faithful that Jesus is the messiah the son of god and that by believing you may have life in his name that you may have zoe zoe in his name in the name of jesus you may have the life that he promised. And so, so we're, we're, we're totally wrapping up here. Um, some, some would even argue that this is kind of the end of the gospel. And this is the, the, what is that called? The, not the post log, but the epilogue. What's the part at the end? I think it's epilogue, you know, the, the, the little comment after the story's over. Um, this, that chapter 21 is really that. And it kind of reads that way, but I won't jump ahead. We'll get into that on uh, monday so we'll stop there john's gospel to save us if we believe in jesus god bless you you've just listened to the metro la podcast for more information about our ministry please visit metro la region.com